and welcome to Game and Watch with Aaron and James, uh, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we have been watching. I am Aaron. And I am James. Uh, and today we are talking about a game from our childhood, a game we both enjoy uh, very much. It's a very good game, still. And yeah, I, it, I would I say I so. didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did coming back to it. Um, um, I expected I, to enjoy it, but just really, I, I had a very fun time replaying this. Yeah, it's been a minute. I, I, I had a really fun time replaying this, um, and it really made me wish the sequel had come out in America. Um, but I, I had a great time with this. Um, and uh, shall we reveal the game? You, you may. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, today we are talking about the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, but specifically the video game version for the Game Boy Color. Though I do expect we will have a discussion about the actual trading card game. It's it's very relevant. It uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this will be kind of our uh, window into talking about the trading card game at large. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's our excuse. We actually wanted to talk about that, and so we said, let's just talk about. We you want, this isn't game watching cards. You know, well, really, I just want to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! And that's what I'm oh. mainly going to do. Uh, okay. Only only tangentially going to bring it back to Pokemon cards. Okay. Yeah. So so about 90% of this episode will be about uh, Dungeon Dice Paths and um, in what's his name? Kaiba? Sato yeah, Kaiba? Yeah, I, I will actually... I'm, tyranny. I'm really glad you brought it up because I've been thinking about doing a Dungeon Dice Monster spinoff podcast for, oh, yeah? for about a decade now. Wow. Uh, yeah, maybe that'll well, be... Yeah, when the fan base for this one grows uh, past, you know, one person, um, you know, we could I think we could launch that. I know nothing about um, well, not nothing about Yu-Gi-Oh! Obviously, I just I know something, but I, I don't know enough to, to co-host that podcast with you, which means that I think I should uh, be selected as your co-host for that podcast. OK, OK. Yeah, I'll just um, react to everything you say. Yeah. Uh, but enough Yu-Gi-Oh talk. This is yeah. this is Pokemon. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about this game? So this game was released in Japan in 1998, but America did not see a version of it until 2000. Um, though I actually I just remember playing this game a lot earlier in my life. Um, I couldn't yeah, believe it was 2000. Reason, yeah, that it. I agree. I remember playing this. Uh, you know, like late 90s. 2000 seems late to me. Uh, just because in 2001, I was in seventh grade. So playing this in sixth grade seems uh, wrong in my head, but I mean, that must have been the case. Yeah. Um, this game was developed by Hudson Soft of Bomberman fame and uh, Creatures of Earthbound fame and other, you know, various, they're responsible for various like Pokemon modeling for different games. Um, this was published by Nintendo. It was um, directed and produced or not directed, but produced by uh, Tsunakazu. Oh my gosh, I butchered that. Um, Tsunakazu Ishihara. Got it. Um, who is the creator of the Pokemon trading card game? Well, that makes sense. It makes sense, yes. And in, in kind of looking this up, I didn't really notice any sort of, you know, unusual elements to the production or direction. It's a pretty straightforward kind of, Pokemon trading card game simulator of the first three sets of the trading card game that were released. That is the basic yes. set, the jungle set and the fossil set. 
Yes. And then uh, two things to add. There are uh, like additional promo cards or cards unique to the game. Um, most of the cards unique to the game include mechanics that could really only happen within the game rather than the actual card game. Um, they involve like random chance. Right. And though I, I will note it, one in particular, I remember the super energy retrieval card did not exist in real life at the time. I think it does now. Um, or it did eventually, and I was wondering why the heck that card didn't exist. There was a super energy removal in the actual Pokemon trading card game at the time, but not a retrieval. I remember that specifically because I thought it would be really useful in the game, and I ended up creating my own <laughs> Pokemon card version of it that I then laminated. Oh, okay. And, and I'm, sure, in the decks. I'm sure all the little boys uh, in the schoolyard were totally okay with you playing with your own made-up cards. I can't say that I attempted that, but my brothers were okay with it because we all played this game and we all enjoyed it. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and, and the only other kind of little unusual thing I noticed, not unusual, but uh, worth noting for trivia's sake, uh, this is pretty much the only uh, spinoff Pokemon game, or rather it is the only Pokemon spinoff game that uh, directly uses assets um, from... Uh, the other games so this uses assets yeah. from like red and blue and yellow and things like that yes um yeah yeah, yeah. and at the time of its release for the game boy color it was very well received um you know at the time it really came out the height of the pokemon trading guard games popularity at least in north america and well i guess who's to say i i, I you know, it didn't stick with the Pokemon trading card game throughout my entire life, which we can get into in more detail because you have a little bit more of a longer history with it than I do. But it was, you know, this was released at a very high point in the in the in the game's popularity. Yeah. And I mean, I think you're right. I think um, the the sales for this game um, actually weren't phenomenal, um, which is why there was uh, probably no sequel. Um, but I think you're right that it, during that time, there was like crazy Pokemon fever in the air. But I, I think the reason why the game uh, is well uh, was well reviewed by critics uh, and fans, uh, both then and now, uh, is that at its core, the, the actual card game is uh, really soundly designed. Um, and this version of it uh, on the Game Boy Color is actually really uh, soundly made. Yeah, um, it's a it's a great way to experience this card game um, if you don't have live humans to play it with. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely can under I think it was kind of a, a duo of things. I think Pokemon Mania um, gave it kind of a boost, but I also think it's just genuinely a well-designed game um, and it is a good implementation of that game on the hardware. I would completely agree. It's a very good sim and the kind of criticisms I have of it, I think are relatively minor they're more just kind of like i don't know ease of use um maybe rng related um pacing it's, it's really minor stuff all in all i would say this is an unqualified recommendation and a good pokemon card game sim well shh wait that no they have to wait until the end to hear that whether well recommended or not. i don't know i even though we opened the episode by saying we loved it uh <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, maybe we can move on to kind of our own histories with the game. Maybe we can open up to discuss the Pokemon card game more generally. We both played, uh, both the Pokemon trading card game, the physical version, uh, as well as this game as yes. kids. Um, but first I'll speak to this game specifically. Um, I remember seeing it at Blockbuster. I remember seeing ads for it in like GamePro. I think I saw a review or two. I remember getting excited that it was coming out um, because I was into the Pokemon trading card game. 
I was actually into the Pokemon trading card game, um, like to play it, uh, which at the time, a lot of, uh, you know, kids my age were more about just collecting the cards, whereas I actually wanted to play the game. Um, the funny part is I never actually really owned this game. This is a game that I rented from Blockbuster many, like probably five or six times. Um, and, you know, probably beat it, you know, a couple times, probably at least like three times across all those rentals. Um, and then this is a game I would pick up much later when it became available on the 3DS eShop. Um, and again, completed it uh, maybe twice um, and then completed it again recently for this podcast. Um, but it's it's kind of interesting because it was just one of those games that until, you know, as an adult, I, I really I'm not sure why I never pulled the trigger on asking for it as a gift or buying it. Um, I think because maybe the nature of the game, it's so like pick up and play. Um, I didn't feel super compelled to like continuously play this game, but I did want to come back and revisit it um, from time to time. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, for this revisit, pretty much everything I expected uh, kind of stayed the same. There were no real surprises. Um, you know, we'll talk about things in more detail, but like, you know, the game knows what it is. The story knows what kind of a game it is. Um, so it's fine. Um, the art style is cute and great. Uh, the colors really pop on a Game Boy Color. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I really enjoy this game and I really enjoy uh, the underlying card game. So uh, that's my history with kind of the, the, the actual Game Boy game. Why don't you kind of give yours and then we can kind of open it up to the card game as a whole. Yeah, so... You know, it's hard, hard to talk about this game without talking about the card game as a whole. But, you know, I mean, this was a no-brainer, must-own at the time. I was really obsessed with the the training card game itself. I was very picky with in my history of playing the Pokemon trading card game. Um, you know, I'll, I'll mention, I'll go more into detail into that when we when we get more into the details of the game. Um, but, you know, yeah, I had to own this. Um I played it many, many times, and then I would say I probably never revisited it until recently uh, when I bought it on the 3DS and played it again for this for this episode. But it was always a game that is a game I remembered really well because I definitely played it a lot. And yeah, I mean, it, it was I loved it then. Um, I think it's very enjoyable now. Um, is it a type of game that I would maybe pick up and play every year? No, but it's definitely that kind of game where you could do that. It's more just like, you know, I want to play other things. Um, that said, it's still, I, I had a wonderful time revisiting it. Yeah, and I, I definitely think part of the fun of revisiting this game, and I agree with you, this is in a, the game, you know, I'm going to be picking up three times a week, but I think part of what's fun and maybe part of the reason why I never actually bought it is I kind of enjoy beginning, starting a new game uh, and kind of starting from nothing and starting from scratch and kind of building your decks and going from there, because we'll talk about it when we get to um, kind of the gameplay later, but uh, it doesn't really pay to revisit this game when you've kind of beaten it because your mm -hmm. decks are just so overpowered that yes. kind of the, a lot of the fun factor is drained out of it once you kind of hit that apex. Definitely. And I will say that when I did play it this a lot, I did do that though. I, I would replay the final bosses, I guess the end game many different times with different decks. And I would try to see like try different strategies of beating them, which I thought was fun. Um, and there's, there's, there's some fun in generally and just kind of like trying to make an OP deck and just rolling with that and just trying to, you know, run over lots of different people. And I mean, but then again, I'm talking also about back then when I feel like I had way more time to play games. 
and you know i would play a game to to, to death and then replay it and then do it again and then yeah replay it, do it again yeah and I think for this game, if it had um, like a more robust AI um, yeah. or a larger card pool, uh, I think there'd be a little bit more replayability. But again, this is a Game Boy Color game from the year 2000. Uh, that's, I mean, for what it is, for the time it was made, um, I think it's a it's a pretty quality product. Yeah, look, if, if Nintendo out of nowhere said, we're going to re-release this game, but we're just going to add in like the Team Rocket set of cards... And then, like every nothing else will really change. I'd be like, I'll pay forty dollars for that. Um, I <laughs> don't think that will ever happen. It won't. Um, but I, and... I'm just trying to emphasize how you know interested I would be in revisiting this if you just added a little, you know, some more of the cards that I liked. Right, but I think that's a good segue to kind of open it up to our history with uh, the card game as a whole. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it can be understated how absolutely insane uh, Pokemon Fever was in uh, America, Japan, yep. the world from around like 1996 to like 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, truly, truly, truly really Pokemon everything Pokemon just saturating uh, mainstream culture every 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 everywhere um I was I think eight uh when I got Pokemon Blue um for Christmas just randomly I hadn't even heard of this game and just fell in love became obsessed when I found out that there were cards I picked up like the very first um like starter pat like set like with a little deck um I bought all the theme decks I, I was super into it um, and I kind of kept up with the trading card game through um, probably the gym leaders sets. Um, they did two sets of kind of gym leader uh, Pokemon. Um, and I, the, we should mention the card game was developed by Wizards of the Coast, um, yes. who are the creators of Magic the Gathering. Um, so obviously these are people that know how to make a very uh, competent, well put together card game. Um, and everything about it, the, the art on the cards, the, the cards themselves, the designs, um, it, it just, it was very appealing to me. Um, Pokemon, like that art style, it's got that blend of kind of cutesy, kind of simple, kind of like badass, cool looking. Um, and it, it just spoke to me. And this was a different way to interact with, uh, you know, those characters that I, that I liked and to play with them in kind of a different format. Um, and probably around, like I said, after the second gym leader set, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, drifted away from Pokemon cards, got into Yu-Gi-Oh, different things like that. Um, I didn't really get back into Pokemon cards until actually I was an adult. Um, and I got, uh, like a pretty decent laptop, maybe seven years ago now. Um, I knew that you could play Pokemon cards online. So I picked up uh, like a theme deck and each theme deck and each booster pack comes with like a little QR code that you can scan and then you can own that deck online as well. So I did play Pokemon cards online for maybe about a year uh, pretty regularly. However, and this goes back to why I don't think they will ever do a paid release uh, game for the Pokemon card game um, because now it's almost a subscription model um, if you're playing online, which is true of a lot of collectible card games these days. But uh, essentially you, you know, you don't buy a game for $60 and then have all the cards and play people online, etc. you know, and get to keep the game. Um, you kind of buy just like in real life, you buy decks, you buy cards, you play with real people online. Um, but it's kind of through this this service, this system. Um, so it's, yeah, as I said, it's basically a subscription model, which is why I fell off of it. 
if you really want to get into it um, and play at a high level, it just the cost is astronomical. I think the online format in terms of like um, interface and UI is pretty good. Uh, and I think it's a decent way for people to experience the game. But um, long term, it's I don't think it's very financially um, advantageous. I really like uh, how you describe your love for the for the series during the height of Pokemon fever. I, I, I would echo a lot of that um, myself. I was very into Pokemon at the time as well. You know, maybe not as much since. Um, when a new Pokemon game comes out, I don't really go to play it. I think that's the difference between you and I. Like, I, I still think I like Pokemon and I have a lot of nostalgia for it, but I'm not driven. I haven't been driven to, to play the games um, since, you know, maybe around like the gold silver silver era. But I do remember, you know, around seven or eight years old getting Pokemon Blue and just being completely obsessed. And I, I was I was fully in on the Pokemon trading card game and the Pokemon craze and everything like that i still remember opening up my, my grandma handing or having like three decks of pokemon cards and kind of fanning them out so me and my two other brothers could pick one or maybe it was just me and one of my brothers and i grabbed one and i got a charizard i remember just being it was oh. one of the happiest days of my life i mean that and like getting the game uh, yeah. color were like two of the happiest days <laughs> oh, of my, my life goodness yeah um, just freaking out about that. I mean, I, I think the first holographic, first rare card I got, other than like the Machamp you get with the you know the, the right. starter deck, the yep. fighting with, deck yep. was yep. was a Blastoise, and so and then I think Charizard was soon after that. Um, yeah, I was I was completely obsessed, and I was a I was a bad kid, Aaron. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I uh I, I at recess. I, uh, on at least one occasion, uh, definitely swindled a kid, a younger kid, like two years, two, three years younger than me out of rare cards by convincing him that, that, cause like the Pokemon cards were, you know, organized in terms of rarity, um, circle cards were the least rare diamond cards were kind of medium level of rareness. And then star cards were the rarest. Right. And I, traded someone like a bunch of circle and diamond level cards for a rare holographic. I think it was a Raichu or something like that. Um, and I convinced him <laughs> that uh, I was giving him way more cards uh, and he was only giving me one. Um, and so it was a deal worth um, acting on and uh, he fell for it. And I still uh, feel bad about that. Uh, I didn't at the time. I was pretty proud of myself. Um, but yeah, well, this is me um, coming clean. Uh, you know, it was really it feels really good to get that off my chest. I would I would just say have fun in hell. Yeah, um, thank you. And um, you're gonna burn forever. Yeah, I also tried doing the same thing with Crazy Bones, which we don't. Uh, need to talk I okay. About. Um, it's it's funny you say that because I absolutely did do the same thing with Crazy Bones. <laughs> I, I was I, I got one yeah. of those gold like painted ones. Did you ever get one of those? I didn't, but do you remember the one Speedy that was supposed to be the rarest yes. like helmet? Yeah, yep. Yep. I definitely swindled some kids out of out of Speedy. So. I remember uh, my mom would take me to Zany Brainy. Oh yeah, um, to oh, yeah. for like trading sessions and stuff, and I had like my my organized set and all that. Um, and I, I remember trading for a Speedy, in like le legitimately. But there, I got my hands on like a gold 
I forgot. I don't remember the name of the one, but there was a gold one. Um, and I traded so much for it. And I convinced the person that I traded that one of mine was a little rarer than it actually was. And that's what kind of ended up sealing the deal. Um, which is uh, pulling shit out of my ass, just improvising in the moment. Like, oh yeah, explain, this is rare. Like, oh, like two other people asked me for this one, but I told them no, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I'll so I'll see you in hell, I guess. Yeah, also really, really briefly, uh, I had no idea, but did you know that uh, Crazy Bones is based on the game Pass the Pigs? I had no idea. Do you know what the game Pass the Pigs is? No. So Pass Tell the me. Pigs is uh, like a game where you just roll um, like pig figures um and then based on how they land you score a certain number of points oh i have heard of that game that's and in that's, some like animated movie yeah and that's what crazy bones is if i remember the rules correctly you would like yeah. roll them and then based on how they landed so i mean crazy bones is even lazier of a concept than i thought because they just took past the pigs and just made them not pigs well there was also an element and i'm not sure if this was the way it was past the pigs and we'll we'll stop talking about crazy bones in it yeah a i'm moment. sorry but this has been a real our crazy bones side podcast no yeah starting, this is this is unleashed next, that's gonna be next week yeah, yeah. um no there, there was an element of there was like a uh what's it called like there was like not an arena but there were like lines and such like there were circles and stuff you wanted mm. to try to get your crazy bones yes, in and you can also yes, yes. knock other people's crazy bones out yes so there was a little bit that. more of like a strategy to it true so yeah, um, can't wait till Crazy Bone uh, for Game Boy Color comes out. But anyway, uh, I don't even remember where we were about this. Oh yeah, so the Pokemon trading card game. Um, I guess the last thing I was going to say was that, I mean, I, so unlike you, I did not keep up with it um, after kind of the end of junior high, maybe a little bit earlier than that. And, but I've always kind of had a fondness for it. Like I've, re I've gone back and looked at my Pokemon cards many times. And had a you know fun time like reminiscing and just kind of seeing what I had collected over the years. So I definitely collected a lot. Um, I stopped after the Team Rocket set. Um, that Team Rocket set came out after the Gym Leader set, and I was not a fan of the Gym Leader set. I, so I my my collection is in, entirely full of Basics, Jungle, Fossil, and Team Rocket, and that's really all I ever wanted. And some promotional cards that I got, like going to see Pokemon the first movie. I think I got like a Mew. Mm, the ancient yeah the ancient you the ancient Mew, yeah yeah but yeah uh, yeah i didn't know you could play it online i think that's really cool um i more i would be more of like a tangible card kind of person i'd prefer that um but yeah no it, it great game um just kind of revisiting it through the nostalgia of playing this game that we're talking about today i mean I, it's just it's really fun uh, i've had a great time yeah. Um, now I know this is going to uh, be a while. So um, you have that 15 page document that outlines the plot, right? No, the, oh no, it's like 50 pages. Oh yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's pretty intense. The plot on this one. Like if this was a screenplay, it wouldn't be made. No one would, no one would want to make it. I mean, this would be like that movie, that experimental movie. That's 24 hours long. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, no. There's an experimental movie where when it plays, like you're kind of just supposed to get up and leave to go sleep and use the bathroom when you need to. But other than that, you're supposed to go back to the theater. And that over. defeats the purpose of what a movie is. Wouldn't you think? We obviously need to do that for this podcast. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> 
Um, I, I don't think so, but, uh, no, that we are being facetious. This, uh, the plot to this game is of course very short. Uh, it's even shorter, sillier and simpler than a regular Pokemon game. Do you want to summarize the plot really quick? And then I really quick want to summarize or just, just make a couple comments about what the sequel could have given us. Yes. Well, I mean, the sequel does exist, just not in America. So well, you, right. Yeah, could could yeah, have given us. me personally. Yes. Uh, so, uh, you begin, um, on an island, uh, and you start at Mason Laboratory. Uh, Dr. Mason is sort of your Professor Oak for this game, um, but instead of studying Pokemon the creatures, um, he studies Pokemon cards, I guess. We'll talk later about whether Pokemon exist in this world or not. That's the, the nature biggest, of the cards. That's my, the biggest takeaway yeah. I had from playing this game again is, yes. holy shit, it was, it was something I don't think I'd ever thought of before, and it blew my mind. I think I texted you about it in the middle of you know us both replaying the game kind of simultaneously. It was like, holy shit, do Pokemon actually mm-hmm. exist in this universe or no? It's it, there's no clear answer. Um, and, it, and it's whoa. fascinating to think of the fact that Pokemon don't exist. This is just an island of people right. in our world right, right. that there's like an economy that runs off it. I don't know if you've ever watched Metalocalypse, but it's, it's, it's like that. At Metalocalypse, the premise is just that a, there's a heavy metal band that's so popular um, in, among like the, the whole world that they essentially, the, the global economy is essentially dependent on what they do. Oh, it's 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 a hilarious premise, but that's the kind of vibe I got from this is just the idea that Pokemon the Pokemon trading card game is so popular in this world. Like it just it's not quite like, you know what I mean? It's just this it's almost this weird, like heightened, absurd reality. Well, yeah, don't worry. We will we will talk about that at length later Um, because I we both have some pretty, uh, pretty intense thoughts on that. But very. Um, so yeah, so you start on this weird island that for whatever reason, everyone's obsessed with a Pokemon game or I'm sorry, Pokemon cards. You have a rival, uh, just as in the main game, um, instead of Gary, his name is Ronald, but he is similarly also a huge dick. Um, and just like professor Oak, Dr. Mason will give you your choice of a Squirtle theme deck, Bulbasaur theme deck or Charmander theme deck. Um, just like kind of the starter Pokemon in the Pokemon games, these theme decks, uh, you get them and they are definitely playable. They're functional, um, but they are kind of designed for you to add cards to them. Um, they have like certain evolutionary lines that like the full evolution isn't there. Um, almost in the same way that like you get a Charmander and throughout the game, you're expected to grow into like a Charmeleon and a Charizard. Um, you could conceivably take your starter deck and as you know, the game goes power it up and, um, you know, include, you know, more powerful Pokemon in it. Um, but you can also just make a deck out of any kind of cards you want. So you are tasked with, um, beating the eight, uh, club leaders, um, which replace gyms. Um, just like with the, uh, gyms in the Pokemon main series game, um, each club represents a different element. However, because there are only, um, what, six, uh, elements or six kinds of energy in the trading card game. Yes. Water, fire, grass, lightning, fighting, colorless, but there's no colorless gym. Correct. There's no colorless gym, but grass. Psychic. Yes, uh, but um, Psychic is split into kind of Ghost and Psychic and Poison as separate clubs. Um, and then f- uh, Fighting Energy is split up into um, kind of like a Rock Club and then more a straight up Fighting uh, Gym. Also, just like the Pokemon main series game, uh, yep. there are four um, Grand Masters that you must compete against um, along with a champion. 
um, to claim the title of champion, just like the Elite Four. Um, and then the Grandmasters also favor uh, specific elements, um, and they also hold the legendary birds, Arcticuno, Moltres, and um, the other one whose name I am forgetting. Um, and Zapdos. there is a Zapdos, and there is a dragon type master, just like Lance. Um, just as I said, just like the main series game, you will travel from club to club until you collect all the club medals, just like badges, and then you can take on the Grandmasters, occasionally fighting your dick rival along the way. Um, however, unlike the main series game, the overworld in this game is just kind of a selectable um, like menu, basically. Um, you pick where you want to go. It takes you there automatically. There's no need to like um, travel in this game. I appreciate that. It, it makes the game a nice kind of pick up and play short experience. However, I do think it would be funny if it very closely mirrored the original game in the sense that like you go to Mount Moon and you find a... Zubat card lying on the ground or you that search under great. a rock and you find a rare Clefairy card or Jigglypuff or something like that. I would love that. That would actually be great. That'd be pretty fun. Um, um really, really quick though, to, to also echo the original games. I mean, I, I was, I didn't, didn't even really click until you said it. I'm pretty sure like the, the gyms in the original game also mirror exactly the ones that we have here, despite the fact there's an only a certain amount of like actually elements, like there's a, there's a poison gym in like a poison like you know um what's his name koga or whatever and yeah, in, in yeah. The original and i yeah yeah and a fighting and, gym and all that um yeah and i'm trying to think the elite four are different because there is there's ice but there's no lightning elite four master there's no or i'm sorry grandmaster right or you know what i mean um but yeah you're right yeah, um, yeah. all the club leaders correspond to um the same types that there are actual gyms of in in the real game really quick um where do does your rival does ronald or like gary in the original like where do they rank in your um your top uh most annoying video game rivals mm, okay most annoying video game rivals uh you know i'm gonna put barry uh from pokemon uh diamond pearl and platinum up there as being more annoying than either ronald or gary okay um but uh, i'm gonna put ronald as more annoying than gary um because at least gary is professor oak's grandson we don't know who the fuck ronald is he's just this little dipshit that shows up I and mean, this is a kind of a big question that i'm throwing at you kind of without any warning but i was also just referring to across video games in general oh no i know i'm just trying to think of like specifically like the the idea of a rival like that's that's a very specific relationship um that like you i wouldn't a rival is different than an enemy wouldn't you say definitely um like goku and vegeta are rivals right but they also well i think there's a line because sometimes video game stories will turn that rival into more of an antagonistic figure. Like I would say Gary is not necessarily made to be that. He's just kind of one step ahead of you every time. What I'm thinking of, which I won't go on a tangent about was, is the character Eric Sparrow in Tony Hawk underground, who is a real piece of shit who they definitely turned into this like backstabbing asshole. Who's trying to, you know, screw you over. Very, okay. I don't know. I don't know how many that, people uh, listening to this are going to get that reference. Uh, no. But yeah, Eric Sparrow is a real piece of shit. 
Well, it's funny you say that because now speaking of old games, that makes me, I don't know why, but that makes me think of uh, Lance Vance from GTA by City. Oh, there you go. Perfect yeah, example. He's kind of an annoying little dick when he turns on you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that was the plot. Very, very simple, very to the point, very similar uh, yeah. to the main game, but even kind of more ridiculous and absurd when you think about the nature of this world, which we will uh, we'll discuss later. Uh, I should mention, though, on the island map, no roads. There's no no roads. roads. There's no infrastructure. We don't on need this island. No, there's just these card clubs, and that's all really anyone cares about. Yeah. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the plot of the second game, aside from the fact that there's like a more developed story. There's a little bit of a larger world. Um, your character in this game, I think, is male by default. Um, can be female in the sequel, um, and the plot generally involves team green rocket who has kidnapped the club masters in an attempt to steal the legendary cards which is again hilarious in the sense that if this there are no pokemon in this world i mean either way terrorists who are trying to get pokemon are funny but the idea of terrorists existing who are just trying to get pokemon cards is pretty funny well, that's where like Yu-Gi-Oh kind of gets ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, you know, like I'll challenge you to a duel. It's like, just shoot the fucking guy. Like <laughs> this is life and death. Like stop dueling. Just exactly. like fisticuffs. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we kind of touched on it a little bit um, just in terms of like the art style of this game, the art style of the Pokemon card game. What do, yeah. what do you think of it? I really, really love the adorable. art style of the cards. Very adorable. I particularly like how um, there's just a ton of different artists that work on these cards. It's not, you know, you know, a uniform one person's yeah. vision of what these Pokemon look like. And I really appreciate that because in the real cards, um, and you can kind of see the creativity in the digital cards in this game, but the, the real cards will have, you know, like illustrations, it'll be paintings, it'll be sometimes like little clay figures that they photograph. Like, um, it's it's really cool to see these these characters that you enjoy represented in all these different various ways um, and doing all these different things. Yep. And I think that those cards for the Game Boy Color, I think they really do an excellent job translating the art to the Game Boy Color. Um, it's not perfect, but given the limitations, I think all the cards look really good. I agree. Can I just, I guess, I, can I stop making all the best points ever? No. I'm just killing it. No, you should keep uh, going with it, actually. That would make this episode a lot better. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of uh, direction, you're basically allowed to uh, approach this game however you want, right? So unlike in Pokemon, where you kind of have to travel a set path um, and defeat the gym leaders, in this game, you can go uh, approach them in whatever order you want. Um, for defeating club leaders, you get access to new and different kinds of booster packs um, to power up your deck. Um, and then after you defeat the club masters in kind of whatever order you would like. Um, and there's some variation in there as well. I believe yeah. you need to beat um, one member of the fighting club at different clubs before the fighting club will become available. Um, there's like a character, I believe named Imanuki, uh, who's like a weird, goofy guy yes. um, who you can play at certain clubs so there's there's a little things going on for variation but for the most part you're just going around to the different clubs collecting club medals um and yeah um i like that it's kind of you have the freedom to uh, you know approach the game however you would like yeah and you know depending on whereas in the original pokemon you know if you pick you know charmander 
historically, you know, it's a little bit harder to start because you have a rock dun- based dungeon right. or, or dungeon, uh, exactly. rock based um, gym to start off with. But like here, no matter what you pick, there's a, there's a logical next place you could go to kind of steamroll everybody in the gym. Um, but you don't have to. And there's, and it, there's more to this game than just elemental weaknesses. So obviously, it, you know, it plays a huge factor. Yeah, actually, um, we've, we haven't really discussed the actual mechanics of the card game. And I think now would be a pretty decent time to start talking about like sort of what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, and sure. we can maybe begin the what works discussion with the actual like mechanics of the game. Yeah. Um, so as we talked about, this game was designed by Wizards of the Coast who made Magic the Gathering. Um, and I think it's a really well-designed card game. So there are roughly three basic kinds of cards, um, Pokemon cards, trainer cards, and energy cards. So Pokemon are split amongst those six different elements we talked about earlier. So colorless, electric, thunder, um, psychic, grass, fire, water. Um, and then from there, um, each Pokemon has a certain number of moves or attacks, right? So just like uh, Rattata in the game can use Tackle, uh, the card Rattata can use Tackle. However, um, whereas in the Pokemon video game, um, each move has like certain number of points, like the PP points. So, you know, you can only cast Blizzard 10 times. Um, this has a similar system, but almost working in reverse. Uh, where before you are able to uh, complete certain actions or attacks, you must attach energy cards to that Pokemon. So a colorless Rattata card may require um, one um, energy of any type to use the bite attack, if that makes sense. Yes, and some Um, attacks will require you to discard energy. You know, maybe very powerful attacks will often require you to discard energy cards in order to use them and then in order to use that attack again you'll need to reattach energy cards exactly um pokemon evolve um to evolve they have to have been out either on the bench or on the field for at least one turn um just like pokemon you have a maximum of six pokemon um you have a bench of five and then one active Unlike the Pokemon game um, where, you know, you travel everywhere with your Pokemon on your bench, um, you will place Pokemon on your bench as you draw them um, and play the game um, and go from there. Additionally, like the video game, there are status effects. So things like paralysis, confusion, poison, um, those all have different effects um, adapted to a card game. So for example, poison will automatically take uh, 10 damage or add 10 damage to your Pokemon every turn. Um, confusion will cause you to flip a coin to see whether your attack is a success or you do damage to yourself. Um, and I believe paralysis and sleep paralysis is a coin flip and sleep just makes you fall asleep for a turn. Or is that flip flopped? Um, if you use sleep, then I think it depends sometimes, but I think think if you use sleep, then before the next person's turn goes, or before they can attack, they have to flip and see if they're still asleep or not. But then they also ah, flip yes. again at the end of their turn. Correct. So there's like two, meaning there's you essentially two need two two coin flips in your favor in order to kind of like, you know, if you want to use something like Dream Eater, that depends right. on the enemy being right. asleep. Uh, next are trainer cards, uh, which are items, uh, characters like Professor Oak. 
um, from the Pokemon world. Um, and each one has a different effect on the game. So that could be something like Professor Oak, where you discard your hand and draw seven cards. It could be computer search, where you get to search for a specific card in your deck. It could be energy retrieval or removal. So to give or take away energy from your Pokemon or your opponents. It could be things like potions to heal. Uh, the trainer cards are where a lot of kind of the flexibility of the game comes in. Um, and that's, uh, that's kind of where um, you're gonna be doing things like healing. The final, uh, for the most part, the final energy or the final card type are energy cards, um, which are those uh, six types we mentioned before. There's no explicit single colorless energy cards, but there are double colorless energy cards. Yes. Um, and they are much rarer than a normal energy card. Yeah. Um, the Pokemon card game, uh, as it expanded, added different types of energy, added dragon energy, added fairy energy, added rainbow energy. Um, all kinds of different uh, things. But in this game, it's it's only the original base six. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, essentially the idea is to defeat your opponent's Pokemon. Um, there are two ways of winning. One is by defeating all their Pokemon, so they no longer have a Pokemon on the field or on the bench. Uh, the other way is by clearing their prize cards. Um, so part of the game involves each player putting aside six of their own cards to the side. And for every Pokemon uh, belonging to their opponent that they knock out, they get to take a prize card. Not always six, though. Some some battles are a lot faster. You know, kind of mm. the difficulty of who you're fighting. That's true. Also That's true. kind of correlates with how many prizes. You know, an easy battle will be like two prizes. That is true. That's a good point. I think of the actual official rules, it's, it's six. But in this game, you will fight opponents for only three, for only two. Um, but all like club leaders and grandmasters, it's it's the full six prize cards. Yeah. And I remember back in the day, you know, if we only had a little bit of time or we wanted to play multiple games, my brothers and I would just be like, let's just do like a two or three or four prize game. Yeah. And actually the prize cards um, are a really interesting mechanic uh, because again, like I, I think part of the reason why this game works so well is because I think the mechanics of this game are actually very good. Yeah. And one of them uh, in, involving the prize cards is your the prize cards do multiple things at once. Um, you're simultaneously um, getting one step closer to winning the game, which is huge, but you're also increasing um, your own play options, right? Because you're getting a card from your deck that you were forced to put aside at the beginning of the game. Um, so it is kind of a rich get richer system, um, but it does create this uh, like a game flow where once you start defeating your opponent's Pokemon, you tend to be get, get kind of more powerful faster and yes. you kind of build this momentum, which is a really good feeling in a game like this. And another and this is kind of along the lines of something that I thought worked well, um, kind of similar to an actual card game. There's a lot of luck involved. True. And I did quite enjoy when there would be a really tough opponent that ended up only getting one uh, Pokemon out and none on their bench. And I was able to very quickly get rid of that Pokemon and win yes. the game because they had nothing else on their bench. I always yes. smiled when that happened. Um, sometimes I look forward to a more heated battle, but as someone who plays a lot of games now or tries to play a lot of games while also balancing with, you know, an, a busy adult life, it is, nice uh, when things go quickly like that yeah. favorable rng makes the battles go quick and I th i'd say it usually fav favored me over the ai i would agree with that um and i would say the game's really up firing on all cylinders um when you're kind of having to decide because again this game there, there's so many kind of moving pieces to it um we didn't even mention like you know different energies have different weaknesses just like the pokemon game 
So when you're approaching um, playing an opponent, you know, you, you have so many factors to look at. Do you want to focus on, you know, like an elemental advantage? Do you want to load up your trainer cards to give you lots of perks and quick access to energy? Um, you know, do you want to focus on um, evolving your Pokemon really fast? Do you want to focus on status effects to really stall your opponent? Do you want to kind of do a deck that's a mix of those things? And there's so much flexibility with this game, which again, like for 2000, year 2000 Game Boy Color, like actually very, very impressive. Um, however, I will say that that's kind of like the middle of the game towards the late game. Once you have amassed a large collection of cards, um, the game kind of tends to change how it's played. And yeah. we'll talk about that on things that don't work. Um, Cause I, I'd like you to continue if you have other things that do work. Um, but I, I really feel like the middle of this game is the sweet spot. When you don't have access to all the cards, you're really making choices about like, what kind of deck do I want to use? What kind of strategies am I going to use? That's where this game feels the best. I, I'd say I only, I only had a couple like things written down in my notes about things that worked well. Not, you know, there's obvious, I've already talked about my, you know, adoration for this game. Um, you know, it's again, it's, I like how kind of short and sweet it is, how, you know, accurate of a, of a sim for this game it is. Um, again, as I mentioned, I, I like when battles can go quickly. I like kind of the way that they've taken the Pokemon trading card game and created just kind of a little fun fictional world for you to kind of play in. It's more than just like an actual, you know, they could have made a very generic sim, you know, where it's just like, okay, here's an opponent. They have these cards. Like you can pick whatever cards you want to like beat them. Or like you have to maybe, you know, unlock better cards in just a more generic way. You know what I mean? Like they could they didn't yeah. have to pre present this as like a an adventure game, so right. to speak, like a really kind of subdued adventure game. And I appreciate that effort. You know, it's not it's not groundbreaking. You know, no, it's not it's no. not it's not a story to to go and rave about. But it's it's just fun to see that they tried. It's very charming. I agree with you because, uh, as I said, I, I play Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, I, I still play Yu-Gi-Oh online. Like I'm playing, I have a Switch version that I've logged like 40 hours into. But um, those games oftentimes are just you select an opponent and there's a text box of one line of text from them and then you play a game. There, there is no story. There is no adventure. You're just picking from menus basically the whole time. Uh, and it does feel kind of lifeless. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I, I absolutely appreciate uh the very simple basic story mode that this has. And it's, it's charming. The art style is cute. As we said, like, I think for being an, is this an early Game Boy Color? Either way, no, being a no, Game Boy. I think this is pretty late because I mean, 2000 was close True. to when the GameCube came out. A Game Boy Advance, I think, came out in 2001. Ooh, yeah, yeah, you're right. But either way, like for a Game Boy Color, like the colors really just pop. Like this is a yeah. very pretty game. Um, and it, it didn't have to be. They could have really just made this a menu-based Pokemon uh, card simulator and people probably still would have bought it i was definitely still playing this game on my game boy advance yeah when the game boy advance came out and the only other thing i wrote down for things that i liked and this is this is something more that was specific to back then than it is now is this game taught me some fun strategies and the one in particular I'm thinking of is the Grandmaster Jack, who is kind of an ice guy. Hit One of his biggest strategies is to throw out high HP Pokemon like Chansey mm -hmm. that absorb damage while he powers up his other Pokemon. And then before mm -hmm. you can actually kill those, he uses the scoop up card mm -hmm. to get them back into his deck. 
And that to me is a very infuriating strategy for the person that you're playing against that you're using that strategy against. But it, it was the kind of thing where I saw that in this game and I was like, I need to create this deck. I need yeah. to use this in my life. I wasn't able to ultimately get enough scoop ups. I was able to find enough chances, um, but scoop up was also a rare card. But yeah, I, I just thought it's really neat to be kind of in the midst of playing kind of in the middle of playing this Pokemon training card game in real life and having this game teach you things. Yeah, that that is cool. But I think that's a good segue into one of the things that I think doesn't work that I alluded to earlier, which is when you do have kind of access to most of the cards, um, and there are still some ones that are pretty rare, like Scoop Up and others, but when you have access to a large pool of cards, you can kind of make these decks that uh, are kind of multi-purpose and can kind of like stomp yep. everything. Yep. Um, my go-to was to create a deck similar to what you're talking about with Jack, um, loaded up with Chansey's, Kangaskhan's, and Snorlaxes, kind of use those as meat walls uh, and use Kangaskhan specifically uh, to draw cards because he has a move where for only one energy, um, you can draw a card. Mm -hmm. So use Kangaskhan to draw cards and stall. Use Chansey, use Snorlax to stall. And then on your bench, build up fully evolve basically whatever Pokemon you want um, because no one's going to get through your meat wall. So fully evolve whichever Pokemon you like. Um, attach as much energy as you want to them. Um, and then kind of when you're fully prepared, just unload on the opponent. And there's really very little they can do. It's fun uh, the first several times you do it because it feels very empowering. But then when you realize that's kind of the optimal strategy, you know, it's less interesting. Um, you, of course, you can always, you know, design a different deck, but it's like you've kind of already made that, you know, this is the, the game killer. Yeah. Um, so anything else is kind of inferior to that. And that's exactly what I did on this playthrough. Like exactly <laughs> so thing you just described. I, I, well, okay, that's not true. I eventually did. But uh, for the club leaders, um, I did try and like, um, sh you know, not completely do a brand new deck every time. Sometimes I did. But uh, for the club leaders, I tried to more like tailor my deck to their strategies, which is mm -hmm. more fun. Um, but by, yeah, by the time I got to the Grandmaster. Yeah, just, I mean, by the end, yeah. I just ran through the Grandmasters. What, for me, I, the only real major thing that I said doesn't work, and this is a big one, is not being able to forfeit matches that you know you're going to lose. Mm, it's it's, it's, a, it's time point. consuming and frustrating. And that kind of fueled a sense of repetition, especially if that would happen multiple times in a row. Usually it didn't, but if it did, it was very annoying. Um, and unfavorable RNG can add to that, obviously. But, you know, in real life, there's a lot of luck involved as well. But, you know, I, not being able to forfeit matches, it, it, that it was, it was frustrating. I agree. I mean, the quick solution is, you know, turn the game off and turn it back on. But that's still, you know, a minute of your time. Or if you didn't uh, save. Or if you didn't save, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to think basically every other like trading card game I've played, simulator, th that's one of the options. Because, yeah. yeah. Because of exactly that. It's, you know, you're playing against a computer. I don't want to watch the computer play out its full hand and like crush me. Yeah. Um, let's, let's just move on to a new <laughs> game. Yeah. I, I lost. You know, whatever. I, they I don't know, have feelings. I, I, I know Skynet's coming. I don't even right. feel it now. It's kind of the equivalent of just flipping the game board in real life, um, <laughs> except no one can be mad at you. That's which is honestly the best of every world. You it get really to be mad, is. you get to flip the board, and no one can judge you. It's yeah. really perfect. 
Um, yeah, but I mean, overall, also, uh, let's jump really back to quickly what works. Um, I, I, and we touched upon it, but this game knows exactly what it is. Um, I, and I think that's part of what works about it. It doesn't swing for the fences. It doesn't try and be this huge, you know, world changing thing. It's just a simple little Pokemon yep. card, card game simulator with a, with a very simple story mode. Um, and it's great. Uh, that's great. I, I'm glad they didn't overreach and overextend. Um, it's, it's like perfect. It hits this sweet spot. Yeah. So, um, what, let's, let's talk about this, this world. Though. Yeah. Let's this, explore this, this world. I mean, we only get one Island. There's really no hint of the outside world. That's kind of the, one of the other things that makes this Island so creepy. Like no one talks about the outside world. Like yeah. it exists. Also, like we said, there's no infrastructure. There's no roads. Really the only buildings on this Island are these clubs. And then there's like one house off in the corner that only one person lives in. Yeah. And then there's no, like, where do these people live? Do like, you, would you like like a, a really like fucked up twist at the end where like the camera starts zooming out or like, a, you know, like the gym leader is like, now you can actually, you know, go to the mainland and play, um, you know, against the real champions. And you're like, what? I thought this island is all there is in the world. And then it zooms out and it turns out you're next to Florida. Holy, holy moly. What if Cuba is just a Pokemon card uh, dictatorship? I, then, I don't know. Without any offense to any people from Cuba, I've never been there, um, but I, I can't confirm that that isn't true. Maybe communism is just a ruse. They don't yeah. want us to know that. Yeah, that this is set taken, in yeah. you know communist Cuba era. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, at the time the you know the the what it was that like the the mafia members of the mafia would run off to cuba they were just playing pokemon cards this whole time that's true that's yeah. true um yeah let's let's kind of talk about like if we were to cast this thing if we were to make a movie we'll talk yeah. about if we were to make a movie we'll talk about our casting uh we'll talk about you know my favorite uh my favorite segments here and then uh, that segment will kind of open up this world i think a little bit yeah uh but let's say you know like we do um you know on our on this podcast we like to if it's a video game we think about you know what if this were a movie um if it's a movie we think you know what if this were a video game what that would look like so I, i'm envisioning this uh as less of a movie um and also specifically because um it's so almost watered down uh yeah. like the actual pokemon formula I am thinking that actually the perfect format for this story would be um, 10 minute long YouTube episodes animated uh, that also taught elements of the game as almost like a tutorial. Like, what do you think about like, uh, you know, seven to 10 season, 10 minute each episodes, each episode tackling an element of the game, but also there's like a storyline with some characters um and then each new set or each new set of card mechanics could be like the next season of little episodes so my thoughts on that is that one it's a fantastic idea and two it's kind of cheating for this category <laughs> it's not a movie you're right it's not right. a movie i, di- I if, did cheat I if did we cheat. were to cast this as a movie because you're right the funny right. thing is as you kind of touched on like if this was a movie it would probably be a bad movie it would be horrible you can't make it a movie out of this so but but so like leading into that completely and embracing it is also kind of funny to think about like i i, I enjoyed thinking more about the pitch that is that an agent makes to an actor be like you got to read this script you're right you're right okay then then i do have that i have that as well okay um, are you ready for this i am ready okay here's what we're doing we're getting brian de palma to direct 
we're casting yes we're casting um god breaking bad Brian Cranston. Brian, Brian Cranston is Dr. Mason. <laughs> oh, okay. Frankie, Frankie, Frankie Muniz is the player character. Oh, I, no. I know, I know he's an adult, but it's fine. He's a phenomenal actor. We'll no, 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 no. We're talking about, we can pick actors from like at a certain time of their life. You can, Brian yeah. Cranston was like 45 when Frankie Muniz was in Malcolm, Malcolm in the Middle. This, in the middle. this works gonna, perfectly. Yeah. We're going to say that it's going to be a little wink and nod at, at the fans. Um, and then I'm going to say Ronald is um, who's Ronald. What do you think? Uh, I had Dane DeHaan, um, Ooh, and I'm, I'm thinking like very Dane specifically De- yeah. emo Dane DeHaan from that crappy Spider-Man movie, but also Chronicle. What about Chronicle? Chronicle, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I want angry, kind of almost evil uh, Dane DeHaan in this role. All right, all right, all right. Um, I, um, I, I like, I, I had uh, that guy who plays Bill Denbro in the new It adaptation for, for the main character, Jane Martell, but that was just because he's kind of generic. Um, but I think Frankie Muniz is better. He doesn't remember Malcolm in the Middle. It's very sad. <laughs> so how many times uh, does Frankie Muniz's character look at the camera, wink and say life is unfair? Well, you know, I mean, you know that about him, right? He doesn't remember Malcolm in the Middle. Well, so refresh my memory i at a high so, level yes i don't know the reasons why so, i know I, I i was deep into this when i first heard about yeah. it yeah so frankie muna is uh now i think like runs a vineyard and like owns race cars or he's doing very well for himself but i know for a while i believe um is as part of his like race car pursuits i think he got into like a really bad accident I, all i know is that he had he has had a very very severe head injury i believe and it it robbed him of a lot of his long-term memories. Um, and he has absolutely no memory of doing Malcolm in the middle, like basically at all. What about agent Cody banks? That's what I want to know. I mean, does I he remember agent cool. Cody banks? And does when are we doing big, that movie on this? Podcast? Does he remember big fat liar with Paul Giamatti before Paul Giamatti was a respectable actor? <laughs> uh, wait a second. When did he become a respectable actor? I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say Paul Giamatti was not a risk. Well, he was always a good actor, but I feel like he didn't get gravitas. That's, that's what I mean, gravitas. I feel like Paul Giamatti did not get gravitas until post Big Fat Liar. I mean, well, okay. I guess, okay. I'm trying to think of what he was in before Big Fat Liar. And the only two things I can think of are Truman Show and Man on the Moon. Um, but those are like, I don't know. I, I'm sure he was in tons of other stuff, um, but I, you know, that's not attention grabbing. It doesn't have the gravitas and then big fat liar. And then soon after that was sideways. And that was the first thing I could think I of. I was just going to say he had, I mean, like, a lot of gravitas. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say sideways is where the. And Cinderella man. Paul Giamatti really came out of his chrysalis and blossomed into the beautiful butterfly. We know him to be today. <laughs> So obviously we, we need to get about? him. No, we're, we're now we're talking about how to get Paul Giamatti ah, in this movie. Yes, yes. He would be a great grandmaster. He would be a good uh, dragon master. He Paul's look- agent calls him up. He's like, Paul, Booby, you got to read this. This Pokemon training card game is just sweeping the nation. You've done like Donnie Brasco at this point. We need to get you some other stuff. Do you want to play? I know who do we have him play? I don't know. Uh, one of the grandmasters. One of the sure. grandmasters. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here's the thing, though. I think I could see this working in like a very, very bare bones way as like a tournament movie. 
Um, I mean, that's really the only way you could do it. I'm thinking. Yeah. Or oh, is an anime movie where you have over dramatic, you can treat anything like an action sequence. Yeah. In, in like, like, like the, you know, the playing of, of a, tra- of a game, like a trading card game, like kind of a Yu-Gi-Oh, like you can make really fun and engaging. Yeah. I'm just imagining like anime blood sport, mm-hmm. but with Pokemon cards. Perfect. <laughs> I'm in. I, I will. I would 100% watch that. I think we did it. If you, if there is, if if it's kind of like a the loser, like a Mortal Kombat, like the loser can die. That may, you know, up the stakes a little bit. Taking you know, get get a get a R-rated Pokemon trading card game movie adaptation. You know okay. that you got to make it get more interesting, right? Well, here's the thing. This makes it more interesting and lets us keep a PG rating. When you lose, who said we want to do that? Listen, we got to get the kids in. Okay. Um, but here's how we're going to keep our PG rating. Instead right. of dying, when you lose, you get shipped away in a ship to whatever is in the outside world. Maybe nothing. Maybe a terrifying world you're unprepared for because all you know about is Pokemon cards. Hmm. Can you be shipped away in anything other than a ship? Does it count as being shipped if you're like flown away? I yeah because I'm thinking ship like the verb like to ship something but did that originate from a boat well you wouldn't say I'm gonna plane (laughs) I'm gonna plane this package to you because you're in Florida I think we should bring that into our uh, vocabulary I actually like that just whatever means of conveyance because people do say like oh I'm gonna walk this down to you like at the office right yeah like, oh, I'll, oh I'll walk this down to your office so I think from now on I'll be like yeah I'm just gonna bicycle this over or yeah, yeah I'm gonna you know buggy ride this over with I, my horse and buggy jokes aside I think that your idea works well it's certainly the kind of you know threat that uh would exist in a pg like kids movie it's like oh no like you know, maybe if I don't succeed at this uh, Pokemon trading card game, my adoptive parents who are really mean to me will, you know, lock me in a closet forever, you know, or I'll be shipped away um, in a ship. <laughs> um, I feel like that was either a window into your childhood or one you wish you might have had. I honestly wish. Yeah, I, I wish that I had had that because I don't know if my parents did enough um, they were not mean enough to me to kind of force me to become good at something like Pokemon trading card game. Instead, I'm just really mediocre and a lo- or bad in a lot of things. Yeah, Beth, Beth, um, <laughs> you've really let her down. Don't say my mom's name on the podcast. I didn't say your last name. She asked to be remained an- to remain anonymous. Interesting. All right. Well, she moving didn't. on. Anyway, um, you know, I. Every what? week we should every week we should add Beth Corner and just check in with Beth. I, I don't think we should. Do that. <laughs> I don't want her to listen to this. And if she does, I think she'd be like, "That's fine that you're doing that thing with your friend." <laughs> um, so before we get into our favorite segment, yes, this is the time when we need to talk about if Pokemon exists in this world. Because would you yeah. want to live in this world? And well, I think the answer depends a lot on whether dependent. or not. Pokemon exists. It's yeah, I think it's largely because in a way, if they don't exist, it's kind of like real life. But I so I like the idea of it just being the world we live in right now, you and I. But there's an island of people that we all know about that are obsessed with Pokemon cards, and they have their own little like weird ass utopia. I think that's a really funny idea. 
But is it like a Shutter Island situation where like they're all you just crazy? Have, you just have to play by their rules when you're there. It's law. If you end up that people don't come out of there alive. Sometimes. Like you, like you have to be mad to even really participate in society there to a degree, right? You would yes. Think? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I really. I can tell you which one is more depressing. Well, I guess I, <laughs> I can tell you which I wouldn't depressing. Now I realize it sounds like I'm being very insensitive, and it like I think just laughing at all these insane people. I'm just I just think it's an interesting idea to to if if someone told me, hey, did you know that there's this island of people who are obsessed with Pokemon cards? I wouldn't think that they're all crazy. No, I would think that's I'm, very odd. I well, I I actually think that if there were a, I think if there were a real island full of weirdos who are obsessed with, po- with Pokemon cards, that would actually be the best case scenario. If they were in our world, I think it becomes incredibly weird and bleak when it's in the Pokemon world, because yeah. these are people that are all obsessed with Pokemon and like the you know everything that goes with Pokemon, but they're isolated on an island with zero actual Pokemon. And there's a world full of beautiful, delightful, charming Pokemon that they could go meet and train and play with. But for either reasons we don't know about, maybe they were banished to this island. Maybe they are not allowed around Pokemon. Um, they're not. They're like Pokemon exist in this world and you're obsessed with them, but you don't actually interact with real ones. Yeah. Uh, which seems very confusing and sad to me. Yeah. So is that a no for you? Or is it only a yes if Pokemon only, actually exists? It's, it's only a yes if it's in this world. If it exists in our world and I could like vacation there for the weekend, uh, I think I would. I think okay. I would. Sure. Um, but if it's in the Pokemon world, I feel like the existential despair of people obsessed with Pokemon, yet either because they're being forced to or because they're self-selecting isolation from Pokemon. It's just very yeah. strange. I, I, it's a very sad, like disturbing short story that I yeah. don't have the beginning or the end to really. Yeah. I, I I'm with you on that. I, I don't want to participate in that, uh, that sadness. You know. Do you think they've committed like horrific crimes against Pokemon? Or do you think maybe like this is an island full of people who are like well-intentioned but negligent or reckless? Oh. So like think of like think it of, allows like, them to play without yes. accidentally without you know um of mice and menning their yes. Pokemon. Yes, exactly. So like imagine the girl who like pets the gerbil too hard. Like yeah. these are the people that just like love their Pokemon like a little bit too much or train them like a little bit too hard and then they die. Um, and so here they get to live out their fantasies to their heart's content, but it doesn't hurt the Pokemon and they kind of get something out of it. Our movie opens <laughs> on a young Frankie Muniz who <laughs> has caught a Pidgey and he takes, he, you know, you see him in the, you know, in the kitchen cooking, right. And you see Pidgey at the, the kitchen Island kind of with a, with a plate or like with a bowl that he's like ready to feed the Pidgey. You know, he's cooking for his for his Pokemon. It's like his first Pokemon ever. Right. He's so excited. He's going back and forth. We never see what he's cooking. He puts the meal in front of the Pidgey. And then we see the camera from the Pidgey's eyes looking down into the bowl. And in the bowl is a very obviously cooked bird. The camera then cuts to a side view of Frankie Muniz's character leaning across the kitchen island, anxiously awaiting his Pidgey to eat the meal. And there's no Pidgey sitting there in the seat anymore. He's just cooked his Pidgey. 
Oh, no. Smash cut to Pokemon trading card game, the movie. And he's getting, and then the next he gets shipped <laughs> off. On, he gets shipped off in a, in like, I'm talking in a shipping boat to this island with all these other people who have killed their Pokemon. But can there be a really bubbly, like Ariana Grande, like candy pop song playing in the background while he's on the boat? Absolutely. Like as the sequence happens. Yeah. And Perfect. so now I've just taken your PG idea and turned it more into a PG 13 R rated idea. But I kept the shipping, which is what's mostly important. <laughs> you know, you recognized the thing that everyone really cared about, and it was the shipping. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going to take you far in Hollywood. Thank you. Speaking of Hollywood and storytelling, uh, shall we begin my favorite section? We should. Uh, and what is my favorite section? I would say our favorite section. It too. is. It really is. It's fan fiction corner. And I would say that you have quite a gift for finding some fan fiction. There are times where... I know in doing this podcast with you that I'm going to try and I'm going to maybe be more selective than I normally would. Um, or I'll just have faith that you're going to find something better than me. And I would only want to bring to the table something that I think is respectable enough that it's never, never going to match up against the kind of stuff that you find. But you know, the, the internet rarely disappoints me. Um, yeah. but you have a gift. Well, it's funny that we mentioned that because the internet disappointed me today. Oh. Um, so uh, I looked specific because I mean, is there Pokemon fan fiction? Absolutely. However, I wanted specifically Pokemon TCG Game Boy fan fiction. Um, and I found basically none. However, I did find two different Pokemon TCG centric fanfics uh, that I thought were somewhat interesting. Okay. Um, so one, so yeah, so they, it's, it's really a tale of two extremes. <laughs> so the first one we have is just, it's very clear. I love it. It's just called Pokemon TCG adventures. Um, it's by snakehead fish 1201. Um, and basically it is, uh, it is episodic. This is called episode one, the adventure adventure start soon. Um, and it is told from the first person about a young Pokemon card trainer. And essentially it is just uh, like a narrative form of walking through your first Pokemon card game using the Pokemon Sun and Moon base set. And that's it. Oh. Um, that is it. It is. Um, that's a shame. Two- it's 2000 words. Uh, it was written in, let's see, 2017. It's episode one. Uh, I see no further episodes, so I feel like this is an abandoned project. Um, but in terms of like Pokemon card game fan fiction, that's, this is about as literal as it gets. Hmm. Then on the other end, uh, we have uh, The Heart of the Cards, a Pokemon TCG adventure by Icy Sapphire. Um, how, how many words do you think, uh, Icy Sapphire has dedicated to the heart of the cards, a Pokemon TCG adventure? I, my hope is that it's like in the, in the tens of thousands, but I'm going to go with 1000. No, you were on the right track before. How many tens of thousands? Oh, uh, six. Teen, tens of thousands oh, <laughs> not 16,000 16, would you believe it if i told you it was 70 78,000 oh words? my i did not and i don't know what i was thinking 
And it was written from June 20th, 2004 to October 28th, 2004, meaning those 78,000 words were written in only four months. Which Some means, people have which a real means talent. Roughly 20,000 words were written per month. Which means, well, that's actually not too crazy. Uh, this person wrote about 650 words a day. How much of this did you read and how much of it is interesting? Uh, <laughs> well, none of it's interesting, but I did read a, oh. a couple chapters. So um, it, so the, the difference between this and the other TCG is the other TCG was told from the first person. Uh, presumably the author, he is beginning his journey into the world of Pokemon cards. Um, this, uh, this adaptation takes the pre-existing characters of Ash, Brock, and Misty um, and has them traveling to a new land where uh, Pokemon cards are kind of the, the way things are, are centered around. Uh, and really, it's just a bunch of bullshit about Ash learning how to play the Pokemon card game um, with a new original character named Maya. Okay. Um, I did not check the tags to see if there was any inappropriate action with Maya. Um, but let's see. You got to watch can... out for that kind of stuff. I mean, if, if, if some sort of popular fiction exists, fictional work like Pokemon, guaranteed somebody has made fan fiction about it where people are acting inappropriately. That's true. I would like to read this passage to you, if I may. You may. Yes. Um, we have received our first challenge of the day. Competitors, do you wish to take on Ken, the fire club master? The young woman asked, gesturing to a young black-haired man stepping up onto the ruby platform. That's Lord of the Flames to you, Ken snapped. I'll burn all challengers to cinders with my powerful fire Pokemon. Oh yeah? Brock walked over to the arena and stepped up to the sapphire platform. Try me on for size. Well then, challenger, are you ready to get scorched by my fire Pokemon? Ken asked, taunting Brock. I think the more appropriate question is, are you ready to be stormed? Brock asked as the scoreboard displayed the information of his deck. Deck name, Ruby, Wildfire, Sapphire, Rockstorm. Will Brock be able to handle this duel? How will the Poke Pals fare in the competition ahead? Will the legendary cards be theirs? Stay tuned. End of chapter three. I think you have a real um, future in dubbing anime. You know, a stranger in a grocery store told me that I should uh, work for the radio or podcasts. Really? Because, you, yeah, you, they, they, they said I have a very nice voice. You do. And I, and I would say that I felt like I was watching an anime just now with your narration and your voices, because I don't know. I don't watch that many English dubs, but they're all it's funny. Like even in Japanese, this it seems over the top for some reason. When you switch to English, it seems even more over the top than it than it is. True. And this was you are the appropriate level of extremely dramatic. Well, maybe we can start yet another side podcast where I read all 80,000 words of the heart of the cards of Pokemon TCG Adventure by Icy Sapphire. If we have time, I think the Crazy Bones <laughs> podcast is really going to take up a lot of my life. I was thinking about quitting my job. I think I would rather like jump off tall buildings than do that. But what are you going to do? Quit a job or do cra talk about Crazy Bones full time? <laughs> talk about Crazy Bones full time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I will say checking Icy Sapphire's um, profile, though, uh, they definitely have um, a Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles fan fiction. 
I want to that you know, there there are two of them, and one is thirty five thousand words, and the other is twenty thousand words. That's that interests me. Maybe we can do. Actually, I don't want to do that game because I don't ever want to play the remaster ever again. No, it was a disaster. Well, a disaster. This game was not. That's true. This was a fun game, and I'm very glad that we did it. Yeah, but uh, just quickly before we jump to our wrap up, um, yeah. something we consider in fan fiction corner is uh, does the fan fiction exist? And kind of barely, as we found, you know, specific yeah. to this game, um, should it exist? Uh, actually, I'm going to weirdly say yes, um, because I think, you know, like they, they do enough to set up like the bare bones of uh, like these characters and like their little anime portraits. I think like an enterprising young, like 16 year old. Yeah hip anime girl could like make a fun story out of these characters and string it together um so i you know i think this warrants some some fan fiction um my own fan fiction and this is actually uh i've been thinking about this a lot in relation to the mysterious nature of this island um i like the idea that this island exists in our world um but that there is some dark force from beyond our ken a like Cthulhu mythos perhaps presence um, and that it is you manipulating the people of this island that maybe it feeds off of the energy of Pokemon card battles or mm. whatever um, and that, that it is using its influence over these people to grow in power um, and to emerge into the world but then again I, uh, I love Lovecraft so I, I like that a lot uh, I would maybe this is cheating by being self-referential but my fan fiction, or I guess kind of our fan fiction, because I built off your idea, would be what we talked about before for that movie. However, in this fan fiction, I, w- I don't want it to be Frankie Muniz playing a character. I want it to be actually Frankie Muniz circa 2000. You know, I've said it once and I'll say it again. I feel like an actor's greatest role could be playing themselves being murdered. <laughs> Doesn't think that's what you're gonna say. I just think it, it, it in it. I mean, think fiction, about the. I mean, think about the commitment. Right. There's there's a really special level of commitment. Who? Which actor would you like to see most um, satisfy that? Kira Sedgwick. That was too quick of an answer. I'm, yeah. I, I have a number of follow up questions that I don't know if I should waste time asking right now. <laughs> that was too. Um, I feel like if Kira Sedgwick. If Kira Sedgwick uh, starred in a documentary where the substance of it was she gets brutally beaten to death by a pack of soccer hooligans, um, I, I yep, I'd be down. Have you seen Green Street Hooligans? I have, and I hate it. <laughs> Did you? So I, I don't remember why I watched it. I think maybe it was because Elijah Wood was in it, and I was yeah. like, I like Elijah Wood. I, I think I remembered enjoying it, but then again, I... I, that was at a time where I probably enjoyed a lot of movies that I would no longer enjoy. Yeah, it, it definitely was in the, um, it was like the perfect storm of like, it came out when you're in college, right? Like early on in college, or maybe that's um, when I became aware of it. Yeah, I, but, I was, I was going to say like 2007, 2008. Yeah, but it came out around like Elijah Wood was big from Lord of the Rings. Like if you were in college at that time, like you thought Fight Club was the shit and it, I think it tried to mix a lot of those things and I, I didn't care for it, but I knew a lot of people that really liked it. Oh, I was wrong. It is 2005. Okay. But I mean, yeah. you know, Lord, Lord of the Rings adjacent. Yeah. 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 
Um, well, that's yeah, that, that would be my fan fiction. That's our collective fan fiction. Do you sure. feel? Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't have gotten there without your help. That's true. Um, I'm still holding out for that Kira Sedgwick thing, though. We'll see what happens with that. But yeah, fingers um, crossed. That's right. What uh, how's your week been? Uh, what are you it's, what are you been playing? Been what have you good. been doing? What have you I, been up to? I've been playing Dark Souls three again. Uh, as you know, just jumping in a replay with my brother. The Dark Souls um, games are basically the video game equivalent of like having the same movie or TV show on in the background while you're doing other things. Yeah. It's just like, I'm always going to have a Dark Souls game. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like I always need to be playing one of the FromSoft games. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I've been playing Persona 5 Strikers, which has been enjoyable. Um, I'd started it kind of after I had a nice break after playing Persona 5 Royal. Um, fantastic game. Persona 5 Strikers, good. Not great, but but good. Um, in terms of like what I'm watching, I, I you know, recently Miranda and I watched Face Off together. Um I think she quite enjoyed it. I think she really likes Nicolas Cage and wacky stuff, but also just in general, I know she, she really loves um, national treasure, things like that. Um, and I have been watching Jujutsu Kaisen, which is an absolutely fantastic anime. Fantastic. All right. All right. Well, I mean, you know me, I'm always uh, on, on the lookout for, for a new good anime. Yeah. Um, what about you? What have I been doing? Um, you know, I have been dabbling in Monster Hunter as I tend to do. Um, I've also been playing Bravely Default 2. Um, I definitely want to like beat that game um, before the summer is over. For whatever reason, in my mind, like the summer is a time where I play a lot of like JRPGs. Um, like the summer and around Christmas time. I don't know if it's because as a kid I was off from school during that time. But just there's something that feels right to me about playing a JRPG during the summertime. Um, so Bravely Default 2 is it for now, but I have a couple other things on the back burner. Maybe we'll jump back into Octopath Traveler. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm itching for for a JRPG. Um, also, that that sweet sweet Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter Stories, killing it. Um, yeah, yeah, nice. Very nice. Maybe one of these days I'll I'll try a Monster Hunter game. Yeah, I would. Um, I can give you some recommendations. Um, yeah. Definitely don't start with any of the old stuff. Okay. It's uh, one of those games. It's it's kind of weird. It's almost like a uh, like a Madden or a FIFA mm-hmm. uh, to a degree, where it's like each new version obviates the old one. Ah, uh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So next week. We are doing one of our very favorites. Well, that's not true. Um, a movie I think we both like. We can we agree. Will, we will get into a lot, a lot of detail about it. A we movie we both that, really enjoy watching. Yeah, we can agree that we're no matter what, things are going to get spooky ooky. No, no one can deny that they're going to get very spooky ooky. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm borrowing that. My my, my friend Tierney. Uh, and her uh, former roommates refer to movies as spoopy. I don't know if they originated that uh, or if they've just, I don't know. It's, but it's caught on now. I just want to call scary things spoopy. Well, I mean, this is a spoopy movie, so that's a spoopy movie that you guys can look forward to hearing about next week. It really is. Thank you as always, Aaron. Indeed. Uh, This has been game and watch with Aaron and James. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. You're the best. I, uh, as always, am Aaron. And I, Sometimes, and sometimes not, I'm James. 
Yeah, some, I mean, sometimes you're Jimmy, sometimes you're James, sometimes who knows what kind of alter ego you have on the internet. Who knows yeah. what I'll be next? Tune in next time to find out. <laughs> to find out. That's so grim. <laughs> it really That's is. such a grim cliffhanger. <laughs> All right. All Until right. next week. Bye-bye.